Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 69. This is Deb Falzoy, and this week I'm talking about remote work and the push for in-person work through the lens of an opinion piece that came out in the Washington Post last week. A CEO for a media company shared her take on the her, her concerns with keeping workers remote, and I want to share with you her take and my take, which aren't the same. Are you ready to hear what I have to say? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you've found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. I want to talk this week about a, an opinion piece from the Washington Post from May 6th that an advocate alerted me to. It's called Opinion. As a CEO, I worry about the erosion of office culture with more remote work. And this advocate also told me that the original title, when when this person saw the uh, original piece, it was actually titled Opinion as a CEO, I want my employees to understand the risks of not returning to work in the office. So a little bit more threatening. Um, it, it seems like she possibly decided that threatening her employees for protecting their health was just not only bad management, but bad optics when you're putting this piece in the Washington Post. So this comes from um, the ch- a chief executive of Washington Washingtonian Media. Her name's Kathy Merrill, and she expresses in this piece concern over those who wish to continue working from home. She calls these people the unfortunately common office workers. And um, if, if anyone follows Liz Ryan, who's a career coach and employee advocate, she would uh, not be happy about seeing this take from Kathy Merrill um, because she rightly so sees that in so many situations, there's no need for employees to work in person. And in fact, it's just merely a control tactic when employee well-being and happiness is rooted in their own job control and social support, according to the research. So I want to highlight three of Merrill's main concerns with keeping workers remote, and then my own take on each of them as we go through these. So the first one, she says, and I quote, we face recreating a workplace where a good culture of trust will be harder to build. She's saying, Keeping workers remote will will make it harder to have a good culture. Um, and she says that employees get to know one another through established practices, unspoken rules, and shared values. Um, and this largely comes from interacting in person. Even though she says they made it work with remote work during the pandemic. Um, and she she attributes this this difficulty in creating a good culture to the fact that she says her senior employees enjoy their commute free lifestyles, um, but her younger employees want to learn from their the senior employees and connect with those older employees. Um, so she's concerned that those older employees or the leaders won't be on site to hire and attract talent. And she also says that remote workers miss out on 
you know, the, this informal loop idea. So casual meetings, you know, passing by somebody and sharing some information or making decisions on the fly. Um, my personal take on this is that this in-person setup, you know, while it might have some perks, so does remote working, um, but trust has nothing to do with this. Trust is built through honesty, humility, reliability, inclusion, respect, and responsibility, and not proximity. If we think about relationships we have in our personal lives and the, and trust that gets built in these positive relationships, they might have absolutely nothing to do with being in person. I have, you know, long distance friends who I trust who um where proximity is not a factor in my trust of them. Um, in fact, too many managers promote a culture of mistrust in person by lacking respect for their employees' needs or lacking honesty and humility and reliability and inclusion and responsibility. So with this mindset, Kathy Merrill really misses an opportunity to allow her employees to control their work environment. And like I said, research shows that job control is a key to employee happiness. And, you know, there there's happiness gained from being able to tend to household chores and other personal matters. Um, and that might be more valuable to people than staying in this informal loop because, you know, we're in this age of technology. There's no reason for um, not being able to communicate in many other ways. Um, not to mention the fact that this informal loop can be full of negative interactions. There could be put downs, there could be false accusations, um, there could be intimidation, a whole host of negative interactions could come from this in-person setup that, um, is, is those, in those interactions, those negative interactions can get greatly reduced with remote work. So number two, she says, quote, while some employees might like to continue work from home and pop in only when necessary, that presents executives with a tempting economic option the employees might not like. So this this is a really dangerous uh, quote from Kathy Merrill. Um, she makes a very big stretch, you know, saying that remote work should equate into um, reducing somebody's status from full-time to contractor status. So she's concerned that her employees can't go the extra mile of helping, mentoring, and celebrating when they're at home and therefore creating a better office culture in doing so. Um, she argues not participating in these extras tra translates to contractor status. So uh, she goes so far as to say losing a salary, health benefit, benefits, 401k matches, and bonuses. And she also says she fears erosion of collaboration, creativity, and culture, and that employees benefit from job security by going back into the office. So clearly this is her take. There is no reason why an employee can't be both a full-time worker and a remote worker. There is nothing to say that that can't happen. So when she says, when she uses the phrase tempting economic option to demote a worker, that this is an outright threat. Um, in fact, that threat is what creates the toxic culture, 
not not these other things that she's citing. Um, she's got this need for control by insisting employees concerned about their health come into the office when they can more easily work from home. So if job security is threatened by employees staying remote, then she's managing from fear. She's not managing from a place of trying to inspire her employees. And then lastly, she says we need feedback, good and bad, to successfully manage employees and they need it to succeed. Professional development is hard to do remotely. So my take on that is what's hard to do in person is getting time back wasted in a commute, having work-life balance, getting more time to enjoy life. There's no reason feedback can't be given remotely or even as needed in person to kind of bend the, the, you know, make more of a hybrid, but still have it heavily focused on remote working. Um, So where the, where the employees working remotely the majority of the time. So this is, in my opinion, unnecessary, a a focus on unnecessary in-person work. And that is all about control. So she's not caring about her employees' needs, which are, in general, giving them job control and support. And that is the real problem here. It is not these um, petty, you know, while while valuable, she's kind of, she's running this on um, kind of arbitrary arbitrary values that that can be prioritized with other things like I mentioned more better work-life balance especially um, for working parents where you know that traditionally more of that work falls on the woman so um, she's ignoring the whole sexist aspect of it being easier on working mothers to work from home in general um Like I said, this is not an inspirational outlook from her. It's a fear-based mindset, and she's justifying it with illogical arguments. Um, But you don't have to take my analysis as, as the word here. Her employees, once this article or this opinion piece came out, um, they all, or I don't know if this is all of her employees, but 14 of them posted within seconds of each other or minutes of each other, this, and I quote on Twitter, as members of the Washingtonian editorial staff, we want our CEO to understand the risks of not valuing our labor. We are dismayed by Kathy Merrill's public threat to our livelihoods. We will not be publishing today. And I think that sums up beautifully that Kathy Merrill doesn't seem to have an interest in creating a a positive work culture because if she did, this is not how she would have handled it. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org slash targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.